Welcome everyone, I'm Scott Morris and I'll be your host and moderator for today's Mac Learning webcast entitled iTunes U in the iTunes Store. Before we get started, I want to re remind the viewers that you can uh, text chat in your questions during the entire webcast and at the end of the webcast we'll take those questions and answer them live here in the studio. Another reminder is that the uh, previous two webcasts are now available at maclearning.org. Uh, that would be the iTunes U overview and integration of internal iTunes U sites. And again, you can find those at the archive hosted by maclearning.org. Today's webcast is the third in the series of iTunes U focused webcasts which have been developed to help content providers make the most of their sites. Today we will be focusing on iTunes U in the iTunes Store, sharing best practices and tips for creating your iTunes U site. As a reminder, again, you are free to post questions during the webcast and we'll answer those here at the end of the presentation. And again, just simply submit those at the bottom of your viewer window in that little text chat window. Now let's go ahead and get started with today's webcast. Joining us today is Steve Wilson, iTunes U producer, who will be discussing iTunes U in the iTunes Store. And with that, I'll turn it over to Steve. Steve? Thanks, Scott. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's great to be with you today. I'm Steve Wilson, uh, the iTunes U producer. Very excited to speak with you about iTunes U in the iTunes Store. And we'll talk about how you can create the best possible iTunes U site and uh, have maximum impact as you share your content with learners around the world. As we get started today, we're going to discuss an overview of iTunes U in the iTunes Store. We'll talk about creating great collections and the importance of metadata. We'll uh, talk about how the artwork that you create can help with the impact of your iTunes U site and how you can extend your university's brand into iTunes U. But as we get started talking about iTunes U in the iTunes Store, it's really helpful to understand how iTunes U first started, how institutions are using it today, and uh, the kind of content that you'll find in iTunes U in the iTunes Store. As many of you know, iTunes U first started as a project with Duke University. Back in the fall of 2004, Duke University had a vision for sharing their educational content with their students in such a way that they could learn wherever they were. But what Duke quickly realized is that they needed a mechanism for getting new content to those students and those iPods uh, so that students could have updated learning materials uh, on, an ongoing, on an ongoing basis. So working with Duke University, they were able to set up a private iTunes U site, the first kind of iTunes U site, um, where they were able to create an environment where their students could log in to their site and uh, receive new content, download that content to their devices, and, uh, and learn as they went. Other institutions uh, joined in this vision and created their own walled garden environments full of content. Um, but what happened next was something that we weren't quite expecting. Stanford University decided that uh, they had uh, a, a number of educational items that they wanted to share, not just with 30 students in a classroom, but uh, participate in helping to educate uh, learners around the world. So they took the authentication off of some of their content. Um, other institutions soon followed suit, and the University of California, Berkeley, made all of their college courses publicly available to the world. Um, and so iTunes U and the iTunes Store first started out of that vision, the vision of sharing um, great educational content with learners around the world and creating a directory of educational content that institutions uh, could participate in and share their content with learners everywhere. Since then, iTunes U has grown significantly. Today, 18 uh, institutions in 18 countries are able to distribute their content to anyone in the world with iTunes and an internet device. In iTunes, you in the iTunes Store, you'll find over 300,000 educational audio, uh, 
audio and video items. Um, and in 2009 alone, there was over 100 million downloads of content in iTunes U and the iTunes Store. Today, we still see institutions participating in one or both of those original visions I shared with you. Um, institutions create private iTunes U sites to share content with a select group of students, prospective students, um, alumni, and are able to control the authentication and access to um, specific educational resources. And at the same time, uh, institutions are creating public iTunes U sites where they intend to share content with, um, with learners no matter where they are and uh, share some of the great educational materials that are coming from their institution. Now, uh, this is a really important principle to understand because um, it's possible for us to give you two iTunes U sites for you to use um, uh, and focus in on each one of these visions individually um, as, you, as your institution chooses to or sees fit. If you uh, missed our uh, previous webcast, Miguel talked extensively about creating an internal iTunes U site, um, and you can find that webcast, as Scott said, archived on maclearning.org. As you explore iTunes U in the iTunes Store, you'll find a diverse range of content. Uh, everything from full college courses, including uh, courses like Introduction to Psychology, uh, classes on uh, classical mythology from Missouri State University, um, advanced level graduate classes, all kinds of full college courses are available. Uh, in iTunes U, you'll also find uh, uh, outstanding lecture series, um, series like the Penny W. Stamps Lectures at uh, University of Michigan, or the Free Will Theorem from uh, Princeton University, and the Darwin Lecture Series from, from Cambridge. Additionally, you'll find uh, what are often considered traditional educational podcasts. Uh, Backstory Radio is a great example of that. In, in that podcast, um, three historians take topics from the headlines and explore the historical perspectives and backgrounds of those topics. Um, another popular uh, collection is Jazz Insights by Professor Gordon Vernick at Georgia State University, uh, where uh, Professor Vernick explores uh, the, the history of jazz music and across iTunes U, there's a number of other types of content, everything from um, uh, gallery tours to exhibits to lesson plans. Um, and a particularly interesting category of content we've um, seen growing recently is what we like to call archival or primary source uh, content. These, this is material that has intrinsic educational value in that it might be a um, collection of historical audio or video, it might be uh, content that's captured for research, and this is content that institutions are making available um, uh, so that it's more broadly available to um, learners around the world. A great example would be a collection called Say It Plain uh, from American Public Media, and that's a collection of um, historical uh, African-American oratory. In that collection, you can find speeches from uh, Malcolm X to you know, Booker T. Washington and Martin Luther King, some great, um, great resources, and is now being made available easily and accessible to the world. I wanted to share with you a couple other examples of that type of content. Uh, a collection that was recently added by the Library of Congress is called Theodore Roosevelt, His Life and Times on Film. Uh, this is a really neat collection. Theodore Roosevelt was uh, one of the first presidents to be extensively uh, chronicled on, uh, on motion picture and film. And uh, this content is now available for students and teachers to access. Students are using this content uh, in presentations or teachers are using it to, to start um, discussions and uh, interaction. So it's a really neat collection. 
Another collection we shared with you um, on our first webcast is called AdViews from Duke University. This is a collection of vintage television commercials that Duke Library digitized and um, is quite extensive. And so they went back and archived uh, these television commercials from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s and um, are making them available in their iTunes U site. And as you think about how a student or an educator might use these, these are uh, fantastic, uh, fantastically valuable as you might uh, be teaching class on media history or um, just looking for a, um, a piece to start a discussion about culture or business or something like that. So as you think about the kind of content that you'll distribute in iTunes U, if you're a university, think more than just your college courses or lecture series. If you're a public institution, uh, think more than just your, your, the, the content that's sort of the mainstay of what you produce. There might be other materials that um, you're capturing or could be capturing uh, to make advantage, uh, to, to uh, make available in your iTunes U site that users and learners around the world could take advantage of. Um, there might be a collection of, say, bird calls, for example, that um, an ornithologist would find helpful and a student can, can use in a, in a project. So one of the most common questions we get um, about iTunes U and the iTunes Store in general is um, how do people experience my content? How will people see it and find it um, as they're using iTunes U? So we wanted to take a, a couple minutes and talk about just the anatomy of iTunes U and the iTunes Store and common ways in which people are finding and looking for content and uh, notice how collections are displayed along the way so you can get a sense of how your materials will, will be used and show up. So the, the primary way that people find content in the iTunes Store is through iTunes Store search. We know that over 80% of the time, uh, users are finding content by searching for materials and looking for specific collections of content um, around a particular topic or, or word, and they, and they search for those things. So that will become particularly important. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes when we talk about uh, metadata. But um, the iTunes uh, Store homepage is another place that people oftentimes look for content. Uh, at iTunes U, we're constantly looking for great educational content to feature, and the iTunes Store, iTunes U um, homepage is a place where we oftentimes do that. On the homepage, we'll spotlight uh, content in what we call showcases, these rotating graphics across the top. We'll create sections full of content, which is uh, content usually around a particular theme. Oftentimes at the top of iTunes U, we'll create a, a section called Noteworthy and pull in some new and noteworthy content into that area. But throughout the page, we'll also create other um, sections as well. Recently, uh, we created a collection around the environment, um, but we've also done other topics such as philosophy or collections around Black History Month. And in these sections, we'll pull together collections from uh, all the various institutions contributing content in iTunes U in the iTunes Store. Users also like to explore top downloads in iTunes U. Uh, I, uh, top downloads give users an idea of what um, the, the other people are interested in, what's popular right now, perhaps what's new and popular. And so users can explore um, the top downloads on the main page of iTunes U and get a sense of uh, what other people are checking out. You can see in this top downloads list, there's uh, content on English, business content, language content, uh, and even audiobooks. iTunes uh, U also has uh, the ability to browse by categories. Um, iTunes U's categories um, range um, by topic, and you'll have a set of tools within your iTunes U site to assign your content to these categories. 
but um, the iTunes Store categories range from things like history to language, uh, mathematics, uh, science, and more. And as you look at these category pages, notice again that you see content from a variety of institutions on various topics. Uh, as we talk about collections in a few minutes, you'll, you'll also notice um, that you know, the collections that institutions have created here make it really easy for users to find a specific topic that they're interested in within this particular category. Each category also has subcategories. So within science, as an example, there is a biology subcategory, uh, chemistry subcategory, physics, and more. So what's the best way to uh, organize your content and add metadata? In iTunes U and the iTunes Store, the primary building block of content is a collection. A collection represents a single main idea or focused topic, and a collection is made up of multiple items or audio and video tracks that come together to form a specific topic. So in this example, this is uh, Tutankhamen, the Golden King, and the Great Pharaohs from the uh, Michael C. Carlos Museum at Emory University. Uh, this collection, as you can see, um, is, on a, is on a specific topic. And as we take a look at uh, this collection page, you'll notice that there's a variety of metadata fields in which you'll enter information and um, uh, specifically share um, what this content is so a user can easily understand it. Going through these quickly, you'll notice that you'll provide a collection name, and the collection name, of course, is, is indexed in iTunes Store Search, and it's the immediate name that somebody uh, sees for your collection of content. There's a collection author, which again, this content comes from the, the Michael C. Carlos Museum at Emory University. There's links to additional resources. Those might be uh, other collections from uh, the same institution or more information about a particular topic. Here they have a link to um, this, uh, this collection's presence on the web. You have the opportunity to enter a collection description. Uh, this collection description is extremely important. I'll talk about that in just one moment. And also, uh, as you look down below, you'll notice that um, all the individual audio and video items um, are displayed at the bottom. So you'll see fields for in the individual item's name, the time, the uh, particular speaker or author for that item, and, uh, and, and, and more. So you can find a, a complete list of those uh, metadata fields and all of the technical information about metadata in some of our documentation I'll, I'll talk more about at the end. Additionally, it's important to understand that within a collection, a user has the ability to download an individual item or individual audio or video track. They have a method for downloading all the audio and video tracks by hitting Get Tracks. And they have the ability to also subscribe to your collection. And if you add new content to that collection, they will automatically receive that content um, over time. So let's talk for a minute about collection descriptions. Collection descriptions are extremely important um, when you look at um, just sharing your content and making it successful and, and popular within the iTunes store. Um, the collection descriptions are uh, really what we like to say is that they're what the content is and how to find it in the store. Here, for example, is a course by Yale University, part of their open Yale courses, called Frontiers and Controversies in Astrophysics. Now, this is a fantastic collection in that Yale has not only told users what this collection is, what it's about, but they've also included some important keywords um, that help users find this content. So, for example, if a user searches black holes or dark energy, they're going to find this material. 
Additionally, um, collection descriptions are a great place to tell users why your content is important, why they should care about your collection of content. If you're, say, offering an uh, introduction to biology uh, collection, tell users how that might be different than other courses that might be available from other institutions. Uh, another important principle when you go to create a collection page is the idea of focus. Uh, a focused collection is the best collection because it ultimately um, contributes to iTunes U overall in such a way that it makes sense to users. Um, you you want to be careful not to create a collection that's either too broad nor too specific. And um, while there's no hard and fast rules around that, well, we wanted to give you a few um, specific ideas around um, what that might look like. So, for example, if you're creating a collection and you're tempted to title it something uh, generic like science or history, um, then chances are that collection is uh, too broad. Maybe you don't have very many uh, items or individual lectures on that particular topic just yet, but if you could ever foresee that topic growing to over 300 items, chances are there's a way that you could organize that content in such a way that it would be more specific and more digestible in smaller units for users. On the other hand, if you are ever tempted to name your collection the same thing that a, uh, the individual item in that collection is called, or perhaps if you only would ever have uh, one or two individual items in that collection, chances are that collection could be grouped, uh, that content could be grouped together with other content and form a richer, a uh, little bit broader of a collection for, for users. So in the middle, uh, focused collections um, can be a variety of things. Maybe it's a, a full college course on introduction to biology. Uh, maybe you had a conference through your School of Public Health on uh, the history of medicine, and you have a whole collection of content around uh, medieval Islamic medicine, for example. There, um, there are a lot of different things that could fall within this center category of a focused collection, and we wanted to provide you with a few different examples and, and idea of those. So here, for example, you see a, uh, an example of a course, Introduction to Psychology from Yale. You have a collection of um, lectures that are done in support of, of college courses from Open University called Start Writing Fiction. Uh, there is a um, collection uh, that was a conference at Oxford called Building a Business. And notice how that um, within great collections, uh, the, the title and the positioning of the content usually tells the user uh, what, what it is that they're going to learn, and it's a little bit more specific than the overall topic or theme. So again, not just business, but specifically building a business. Um, additionally, here you know you'll see things like classical guitar recitals from University of Utah. Uh, again, not music, but this, this specific collection. Here are some more examples of of, of, uh, of some great focused collections from institutions. Uh, one uh, I'll call out here is Saturday Morning Physics. This is an ongoing series at, at the University of Michigan. And uh, we'll talk more about edit, um, uh, creating your artwork in a few minutes. But I wanted to call out um, how University of Michigan's incorporated both the title of the collection on the artwork, the branding for the institution, and also the branding for the specific school at the institution. When you create focused collections, it's easy for us to promote your content. So as I mentioned before, we'll, we'll look across iTunes U for particular themes or topics and pull together timely uh, groups of content to that theme. 
here, for example, is a, is a feature we did on um, classical studies. And in this feature, you'll see that there's a, a variety of college courses, including uh, the Roman Empire, Virgil's Aeneid, and Introduction to Ancient Greek History. But there's also other content uh, and, and other content types. So Aristotle's Physics, that's the actual um, reading of, of that work. Uh, Roman art from the Indianapolis Museum of Art uh, is um, content that was done in conjunction with uh, the Louvre. So there's a lot of different ways in which um, you can um, create focused collections uh, and then we can uh, create promotions around that content. Let's talk a little bit more about artwork and branding uh, within your iTunes U site. First of all, you'll create a banner for your iTunes U site. And the banner image, of course, is a great place for you to extend your institution's branding into iTunes U. Uh, you know, we oftentimes encourage uh, institutions to incorporate um, imagery that, that speaks to the history and the traditions and um, the kind of content that uh, the institution makes available. Uh, so use your branding, use your logos, your colors, and all of that. Um, more information and specific technical uh, documentation around how to create your banner image is available in our, uh, in our admin guide. But I wanted to call out one specific principle, which is um, to create a banner image that transitions in color to whatever the background image of your site is. You'll notice with the Berkeley um, artwork here, uh, the background color of the banner transitions to the color of the site. That's really important because um, content in iTunes U scales depending on how wide the individual user has, uh, has the iTunes U window. And so in these examples, you, you can't tell where the banner stops and begins. Collection artwork. You'll have the opportunity to create uh, unique artwork for each collection in your site. And doing, doing so can be a little bit tricky. Um, as you look across iTunes U and the iTunes Store, we encourage you to check out top downloads and other areas within the store. Um, notice the different ways in which other institutions are providing artwork. But here's a, a few principles we wanted to share with you. First of all, um, when you create artwork for your collections, it's really important to illustrate the central idea of your collection or of the content um, with something visual that provides insight into your content is another way of saying that. And so here's a few examples that you can see of that. But um, you know, users um, are highly visual, visual uh, individuals. They like to look across iTunes U and they're struck by an image that resonates with them or sort of draws them in. And we've seen several examples of when an institution will have content in iTunes U, maybe with a more generic icon or text. And then when they update their icon to something that provides more insight, they immediately get more attention with their content. Additionally, it's helpful to incorporate um, the actual title of your content and branding for your institution on the artwork. That way, the artwork can stand alone from any kind of lockup or text associated with your institution's, uh, institution's page. Um, again, users find content through search, or a user might have downloaded your content and be viewing it on their um, iPod Touch or iPhone, and you know, be able to, to view your artwork in association with that content they're, they're listening to. And of course, having your artwork there with your institution's logo reminds them that it came from, from your institution. So we wanted to share a couple case studies with you that illustrate how many of these principles come together. And so we've put together two case studies for you that will um, hopefully illustrate those principles. 
The first one um, is by MIT World. MIT World um, captures all of the significant public lectures that are that take place at MIT. Um, when they have a guest author or speaker or politician, maybe a Nobel uh, Prize winning uh, individual come and speak at MIT, they capture those lectures and make them available on their iTunes U site. And so recently MIT decided to reorganize their content. And I want to talk with you a little bit about the changes that they made. Uh, previously, when you would visit MIT's website, what you would see is the first section of content on their site was a collection call, uh, for their MIT open courseware. And the second section was a collection for um, MIT World. And within that section, there were um, icons that led you to a subwelcome page by topic area. So let's say, for example, you clicked on innovation and invention. You were taken to a sub-page or sub-welcome page uh, for innovation invention. And what you would see was individual collections for individual lectures. And so let's suppose that you explored this collection and you found um, a speech uh, by Thomas Friedman on his book, The World is Flat. Well, um, the way that this content was organized previously, there was a single track per collection, and it made it difficult for users to easily download all of the content that MIT had been making available on this particular theme of innovation and invention. Additionally, I would, I would point out that um, let's say somebody searched the iTunes store for Thomas Friedman. Maybe they were looking for this particular lecture, or maybe they were looking for the audiobook of uh, his work in the iTunes store, and they found this individual track. Well, they're not presented with much more content than this individual lecture. So what MIT decided to do was instead create a collection page for all of the innovation and invention items in iTunes U in the iTunes store. And so they put this World is Flat track um, with all of the other innovation and invention tracks. And it makes it much more easy for uh, individuals to download all of these tracks in a single, um, single click. Users can also subscribe to this topic so that ultimately, you know, as MIT has a new track, they're not relying on uh, users to go back to iTunes U to download that track. It's going to automatically download to those users. And additionally, um, if, let's say, Thomas Friedman's track um, uh, was featured on iTunes U's main page, um, when a user clicks on that, on that feature, they'd be taken to this page, and they'd see that content among all these other great tracks. And so MIT can take advantage of what we like to call residual downloads or residual traffic, where a user is going to find this lecture, but they're also going to be encouraged to download uh, five, six, seven more, or the entire collection. Uh, and since MIT made this change two weeks ago, the traffic has is, is gone up uh, 10 times. Uh, the second case study we wanted to share with you has to do with uh, the Lit2Go collection from the University of South Florida. Lit2Go is an extensive collection of classic audiobooks that are available in the public domain. This is a fantastic collection and uh, has been available in iTunes U for some time. Now, uh, again, the way that uh, University of South Florida previously had this collection organized, um, uh, they had a single collection with over 5,000 individual audio uh, book items in that collection. And within that collection, they had all of the content subdivided into tabs by grade band um, 
within this, again, the single collection. Uh, the challenge here was that it made it extremely difficult for users to find a specific book or work within this larger collection. Uh, here, for example, you'll see that um, the first track for Alice in Wonderland is part of the, uh, the grade five tab, track number 214. And so if a user, let's say, searched for Alice in Wonderland in iTunes in the iTunes store, they're taking to this collection, which they'd see with this, this, this artwork that you saw previously, um, but they'd be taken to the first tab, so they didn't know where that content was that, that they had been looking for. So, uh, the reveal, what, uh, what let to go decided to do was create a subpage for all of the um, individual uh, works within the Let2Go collection. And this gave them um, a lot of great opportunities. First of all, they're able to create uh, very insightful, beautiful artwork to correspond with each one of these works within the collection. And you know, this has been very exciting for users as they see some of their favorite works like Frankenstein or collections on Edgar Allan Poe to see these really beautiful um, uh, pieces of artwork that associate uh, that particular work. And each collection was, was turned into its own collection page. And so here we see, as an example, the new Alice in Wonderland collection. Um, besides the beautiful artwork that they were able to provide or listing Lewis Carroll as the collection's author, uh, the University of South Florida is also able to provide more specific information about the collection in the description field. So here they've provided um, some information on the historical background of this particular work. Uh, other collections in this, uh, in this series include you know, great works like The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Aesop's Fables, uh, and common sense. Now, another thing I would point out, as I said before, is that having your content organized into focused collections makes it uh, a lot easier for us to feature as we're, we're promoting things here at iTunes U. Um, we could say create a, a theme around American history and incorporate common sense into that, uh, into that feature. Additionally, um, when we featured some content around Black History Month back in February, we were not only able to include great courses and lectures on the topic, but also works by authors like Paul Lawrence Dunbar, W.E.B. E. Dubois, and Frederick Douglass. Um, also, there, you know, there's of course added benefits to individual collections as you think back to what we talked about before with top downloads. And as you can see here, Alice in Wonderland as a collection is currently number four in the top downloads. Certainly users have been very excited to find this collection with the recent movie that came out. Additionally, um, as you look at category pages, for example, the literature category, it makes it a lot easier for users to, uh, who have selected that they're interested in literature to find more specific collections on that topic uh, in, that, in that area. So you've built your iTunes U site and you are coming close to going live. Um, what, uh, one of the things we oftentimes get asked are what are the things we need to know? When should we go live? Well. Um, when you step out and say, you know, my institution wants to share content in iTunes U and the iTunes Store, it's important to do so with a critical amount of content. We encourage institutions to have a, a larger amount of content when they go live in the store so that they can really uh, take advantage of that opportunity and make that best first impression that the institution wants to make uh, in, in going live in, in the store and sharing their content. Certainly the materials that you offer are going to grow over time, but having that critical amount of content when your site goes live really uh, does increase the excitement that uh, your community and your users have when they find your materials. So um, there's no magic number around what that looks like. Certainly we say that the more content you can go live, the better, but at, at a minimum, we typically recommend institutions have around 150 individual audio and video items. and 
um, you know, maybe that's around a dozen to 15 unique collections. Um, so that's, that's kind of a milestone for you to shoot for in that area. When you're ready for your site to be considered for inclusion, you can go into the edit track preference, excuse me, the edit site settings area of your site, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll find an area that um, is about iTunes U and the iTunes Store. There you can select that you'd like to have your site considered for inclusion in iTunes U and the iTunes Store. And a member of the iTunes U team will individually review your site and provide you with feedback. That feedback comes in the form of an email, and each uh, element of that email has been specifically um, chosen based on what we see in your iTunes U site, and we try and provide you feedback around things like metadata, your artwork, um, you know, things of that nature for you to really make sure that you're making that best first impression when you go live in the store. Um, requests for inclusion in the store typically take place in around two weeks if your site is fully ready to go. And um, every uh, new sites go live in iTunes U in the store uh, usually every Tuesday. So we have a number of additional resources that uh, we'd like to share with you, places that you can find um, more best practices or documentation on a few of the things that I've spoken about today. Um, the main uh, website for iTunes U is, of course, apple.com slash iTunes U. Uh, our main support resource is at our support site or our help and resources site. That can be found at apple.com slash support slash iTunes underscore U. And of course, if you're looking to apply for iTunes U, you can go to apple.com slash iTunes U slash apply. Uh, on our support site, you'll find a document called the iTunes U Guidelines. Now, this is a document that covers all of the information that I've shared with you today. Content, um, content in this document includes uh, a discussion of artwork and metadata. Um, and this is a great companion resource to this webcast. Additionally, once your site goes live in iTunes U in the iTunes Store, you can take advantage of our marketing iTunes U uh, document. This document talks extensively uh, about different ideas that you can do in terms of promoting your iTunes U site and um, sharing it with you know, people in your community and promoting it to other people around the world. Uh, many institutions are doing exciting things like promoting their iTunes U presence on their web page or through newsletter, email newsletters that they create. Additionally, institutions are, are oftentimes talking about their iTunes U site and driving uh, traffic to their content through uh, social media and things like Twitter and Facebook. And with that, we'd love to take your questions. Great. <clears throat> Thanks, Steve. Uh, great job. Lots of information, and uh, we've got a lot of questions to go along with that. I guess the uh, first question would be uh, sort of at a high level. Um, last webcast, we had Miguel talking about um, uh, private uh, iTunes U deployments for sending out class materials to students enrolled in courses, and today you're talking about the, the public face of uh, what iTunes U can do. Um, and so you mentioned that uh, a lot of institutions have both sites going on. And uh, what, uh, why, why would uh, other institutions want to follow suit? And, and how do they sort of manage that, having those two sites uh, organizationally? What are some of the best practices you're seeing? Yeah, that's a great question, Scott. And we actually get that one um, uh, a lot. So um, it's possible for us to give you two iTunes U sites for your institution. and. Um, as you think back to those original visions uh, for using iTunes U, the first being, as, as you mentioned, um, 
uh, using iTunes U as a teaching and learning resource on your campus, uh, you might want to have a particular uh, department, um, if you're, say, a university, um, managing your um, iTunes U site. Maybe that's a group within teaching and learning or academic support managing that site. Um, and the, the typical value of an internal site um, or the thing that you want to achieve or benefit is, is allowing uh, professors or instructors to be able to quickly get your content to, um, to individual students. Maybe they want to um, put up resources so that students can review materials before class session or um, you know, re-listen to lectures after, after they're over with. Uh, on the other hand, uh, on the public side, your institution is taking you know, the opportunity to share content with the world. And this is a public-facing environment. People all over the world can um, access and be impressed by your institution's educational content. So that's much more of a, a, of a marketing, public-facing, um, uh, driven project at an institution. And while the, those are managed in different ways, um, we're seeing an increase in the, the number of institutions which are managing their public site out of their marketing communications office so that the, uh, the office has the opportunity to ensure that there's uh, consistency and quality with how the materials are being presented uh, publicly as a public-facing aspect of the institution. Um, so those are kind of some of the ways that people are managing those. Great, let's see. Um... So the iTunes U in the iTunes Store content uh, is globally distributed, which is kind of unique in the iTunes Store, right? I mean, you have a U.S. store and, and stores for different countries. Uh, so I think you, you kind of covered this, but uh, the question is, how, how many countries can reach iTunes U content in the iTunes Store today? So uh, iTunes U in the iTunes Store, the content is available in over in 90 countries, which is all the countries that the App Store is available. And so if um, an institution in the U.S. puts content in the iTunes U in the iTunes Store, is that available globally? Absolutely, yes. Okay, awesome. Uh, couple questions about statistics. What, what sort of uh, reporting do institutions that have iTunes U and the iTunes Store content, what, what do they get and what sort of basis and what, uh, what sort of metrics are they looking at? And are there any publicly available metrics globally in terms of uh, number of downloads, how much content? You kind of covered those here, but is there a resource that people can look at? Yeah, absolutely. So addressing your first question, um, you will receive a, a set of weekly reports about your iTunes U site, um, which comes in the way of a spreadsheet. And that spreadsheet includes a lot of information. So in that spreadsheet, you'll find uh, information about the total number of individual downloads you had in that given week. You'll find information about the number of new subscribers that you have in that week. You'll even find the number of uh, individual items that were downloaded through subscriptions. So as we talked about earlier, uh, building your subscription base, you might um, be able to see that you have, let's say, you know, a, a, a several thousand um, subscribers to a particular collection. Um, additionally, we provide ways for you to request your site's daily logs. Uh, requesting your site's daily logs even allows you to get access to things like uh, users' IP addresses so you get a sense of where your content is popular around the world. Um, regarding your second question around public uh, statistics and numbers, uh, one of the numbers I had shared with you before was that in 2009 alone there was over 100 million downloads of content from iTunes U. 
As far as downloads uh, uh, with specific sites, uh, we can't really share much as those numbers are confidential to the individual institutions. Where I shared numbers with you before, that was with the permission of those institutions. And in fact, you can find some institutions that are making their uh, numbers publicly available online. And you can, you can uh, search for our forums or, or look for those information there. Okay, uh, you showed a number of uh, really uh, great artwork that institutions are using for both banners and, and cover artwork and so on. Can you talk a bit about where they're sourcing that? Are they, are they creating it originally? Um, and related to that, are they posting any uh, copyright and you know, usage permissions in metadata? Give us a little bit more color around the creating artwork. Yeah, that's great. So um, uh, regarding artwork, institutions are um, doing you know, a number of things to create their artwork. Some use services that are um, public available where they can license you know, artwork from institutions. Services like iStock Photo, and they'll license artwork from uh, those sources and then you know use that as the background for um, you know for their content and add their branding and their artwork. Other institutions take advantage of um, some of the photography that's done on campus. Um, they also will incorporate some of the branding for particular programs. So uh, in one of the examples um, I shared with you the free will theorem from Princeton University. They might you know use the artwork that is um, uh, part of the branding for that program or um, a particular conference that might they might have had. So um, it varies in terms of where people get that content. And your second question was about copyright with content? Yeah, if, if they're uh, using images that they haven't created themselves, mm -hmm. do, they, do they put that um, into the metadata, you know, where the copyright uh, ownership uh, lies and what yeah. the usage rights are? Absolutely. So you can certainly uh, add that information as part of your course description if you wanted. Um, so you could, you know, of course, have the description for the specific collection of content. And then um, additionally, towards the bottom, you could ascribe a photo credit for the artwork of the collection. And another thing um, related to that is institutions are also adding in that field copyright information for the content itself. So let's say you want to distribute your college courses under a particular uh, kind of Creative Commons license. That's information that you could also list in the description field as well. Great. And uh, what kind of resources are needed to, to actually skin an iTunes U page? and um, where, where do you find that information? I know you mentioned it, but maybe you could uh, reiterate that. Sure. So, um, well, in creating an iTunes U site, um, there is some work that you'd want to do um, prior to, of course, um, adding your content. Whether you're delivering your content uh, via an RSS feed that you've added to your site, or if you have the ability to upload content to iTunes U, you'll probably do some production work on your content itself using uh, some video editors or tools to make sure your content is encoded for distribution. Um, uh, through the iTunes Store and, of course, is syncable to mobile devices uh, after users chosen to download that material. Um, all of the tools for editing and building your iTunes U site are, are built in, and there's a great set of, um, of user interface or UI tools so that you, you don't really have to know any um, programming or, or code to work within the iTunes Store uh, environment. Um, you, uh, as far as resources in terms of building your site, many institutions, um, as I mentioned before, on the public side, will get their marketing communications department involved. So they can take advantage of maybe some of the graphic designers or um, you know marketing folks in 
at their institution uh, for the for assistance in creating their institution's artwork or positioning their content, ensuring that there's good quality metadata there. And um, additionally, that's really helpful for institutions because it allows the instructors and the professors or maybe even the academic support staff to focus on teaching and learning. Okay, I, I think also the question was slightly uh, maybe focused more on the mechanics. And so once you have all those assets, yep. what, what skills do people need to know? What's the actual process for, for skinning the page? Oh, I see. So, um, you know, it, it, the process is fairly straightforward. If you've um, already signed up for iTunes U, um, you'll receive a welcome email. And in that email, it gives you information on how to log into your iTunes U site. But within that environment, you know, um, the, the kind of person that you'd have, um, you know, editing your iTunes U site might be somebody who's, you know, fairly adept with uh, the concepts around digital media and, you know, maybe even some social media skills. They'll understand how search engines work and, um, you know, the ideas around Im including um, important keywords. But uh, in terms of technical skills, all the tools are built in. So you can go into your iTunes U site, choose to edit a, a page, upload the artwork, and upload the individual items. Great. So basically, no technical skills. Well, almost, almost <laughs> none, yeah. If you have the support with the That's great. Uh, departments on campus. OK. Uh, let's see. Is it possible to get the instructor's name for a particular collection to be displayed on the category page rather than only within the collection page? That's a good question. The way that the, the uh, lockups, as we call them, within the category pages work today is that includes uh, uh, just the name of the collection and um, the name of the institution who's providing that collection. So today there isn't, the one exception to where I shared uh, that with you is if you look at the top portion of the category pages where you see uh, new and noteworthy, that content is automatically populated through an algorithm that looks for individual new items or assets. And so if you, uh, let's say, uploaded a new track to your site and in that track's metadata had the professor listed as the uh, individual items um, uh, artist, that name would show up in association with that track in that context. Okay, great. Uh, another question related to collections. So uh, iTunes U allows you to create tabs within collections. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the best use of tabs? Yeah, that's a great question. So we strongly recommend that you keep the use of tabs within your collections simple. So um, the best use of them really is to divide your content by audio or video or maybe the, the type or format that your content is available in. Uh, again, you know, if you, as you think back to um, how users experience your collections and um, things like the subscribe button, the subscribe button is actually related to the tab that the user is currently on. And so if you created a, you know, um, a, a rather large architecture with many tabs within your collection pages, a user would have to go from tab to tab and get each individual group of content to be able to receive uh, all of the, the content within that collections. And again, as I mentioned before, if, you, if you're creating a collection in which you maybe feel inclined to have uh, many tabs, chances are that that content should be divided out into its own collections. Um, additionally, one thing I would note, Scott, is that um, we strongly encourage you to create what we call real collections. Uh, those would be co collections that are either um, uploaded to iTunes U or delivered to iTunes U via um, an actual RSS feed. Um, you do have the ability to create um, smart feeds uh, or smart tabs within your site, but we encourage you to create real tabs or real feeds because um, of the impact and the accessibility of that content 
uh, is much more enhanced in search. Okay, and how does uh, iTunes, you in the iTunes Store content, uh, make the showcase? Is that something the institutions raise their hand and say, hey, we, we think we've got something worthwhile? Or does Apple approach the institutions? What's the process behind that? Yeah, so it, it, it might happen either way. So we, um, we oftentimes are just looking across the iTunes store for great content. We're, of course, attracted to the same things that users are, great artwork um, and great metadata. So you know, we'll use iTunes store search to look for content on a particular topic. Um, I have had institutions ask me uh, why their content wasn't selected, but I honestly shared with them the fact that I couldn't find it because they didn't incorporate uh, keywords or description areas. So um, we do sort of uh, act as the, uh, the sort of Uber users looking for great content and selecting content for feature. Also, you do have the opportunity to get in touch with us and let us know about exciting new content that you're making available on your iTunes U site. Um, you can do that by uh, emailing itunes-u-requests at apple.com, and we're going to provide some more information about how you can participate in, in, in uh, promotions in, in the near future. Okay. And if an institution does think they've got showcase-worthy uh, content, uh, is it just a simple email saying, look at the content, or should they send you collection artwork or any supporting materials in that, that yeah. sort of request? Great question. So, you know, um, you are welcome to send us uh, information about your collection. Please include the um, actual URL to your content so it's easier for us to find that, uh, that content. You, of course, can provide a, uh, a URL or a link to any of your content in iTunes U by actually right-clicking on a specific track or on, um, on the collection uh, name. And you'll see there the option to copy the iTunes Store URL. So include that um, in your um, email to us. Additionally, you can provide us with high-resolution artwork or um, Photoshop files uh, for that specific collection. Having that on file makes it a lot easier for us to feature your content and uh, increases the likelihood of your content being featured. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, question about uh, creating direct links in a, in a system like Blackboard or whatever that would go directly to uh, an iTunes U in the iTunes Store content. Uh, you can talk a little bit basically about how everything basically in the iTunes yeah. uh, client is, is a URL uh, that you can drag somewhere. but. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, yeah, everything in the iTunes Store has URLs associated with them. If you're looking to create more of an um, advanced environment um, by using Blackboard, uh, I would probably refer you, for you to check out the webcast that Miguel previously hosted, uh, archived at maclearning.org, and you, uh, you can hear some information about what people are doing uh, in terms of authentication that way. Right. Yeah. But for basically uh, uh, providing a link to content that's in the public-facing yeah. site, that's that's a very easy thing yeah, to do. Yeah, you just copy the URL. You might, um, you know, as I mentioned before, institutions promote a lot of their content um, on their web pages and on Twitter, and that's exactly what they do. You just right-click, copy the iTunes Store URL, and you're able to provide that provide that direct link um, throughout throughout the store. Okay. A uh, question about copyright. Um, how, how are other institutions uh, uh, approaching putting content up in a, in a public distribution channel? Yeah. Um, and and w what are some of the best practices? And then what is Apple's stance towards that in, in the relationship with the institutions providing content? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great question. That's a, that's a really common question about iTunes U, especially um, on the public side as people are looking to share their 
share their materials. Um, copyright is up to you as an institution providing the content. It's your responsibility to, to make sure that the content that you distribute, of course, is, uh, is cleared for, for distribution. And so we can't really provide specific advice in terms of uh, uh, content, but we do know that institutions have a variety of approaches. Some institutions, if they know that their material includes copyrighted information, will actually, in post-production, edit out um, that material. Let's say if, uh, um, if in a class they watched a particular video, they might insert, you know, delete that out of the lecture, but then insert a slide or a, a screen with text that refers to the content that was watched and even maybe the timestamp um, so that a, a learner uh, can, can go back and on their own uh, view that content. Other institutions refer to uh, uh, principles of fair use, but ultimately, you know, Scott, I would, I would uh, turn that question back around to the ITNG community because I know that there's much, uh, there's great ideas out there. Institutions are looking for solutions, looking to see what other, uh, what their peers are doing. And so I would encourage um, people to um, post that comment or question to our discussion forums, which you can find through our support site, and really open it up to the community to talk about. Okay. Uh, related to these these uh, ever-growing collections, that uh, basically means a lot of metadata is being produced in that and managed. Mm -hmm. uh, any any best practices on on how to manage that whole metadata process? Yeah, that's a great. That's another great question. So um, uh, metadata uh, can be a tricky thing. Uh, the way that you'll um, actually go through the production process of entering metadata. Uh, does depend on how you're choosing to uh, share your content. If you are distributing your content through an RSS feed to iTunes U, there are a number of feed editing tools out there. Uh, of course, you can author a feed by hand if you want to. You're a little bit more technically inclined. But there's great tools out there that allow you to, to craft a feed. Uh, one application in particular um, that I like a lot is called Feeder by Reinvented Software. You can find that just by Googling uh, that term. Uh, there's other services out there such as Libsyn. Um, you can also use uh, some Apple solutions in Podcast Producer and, uh, uh, and our Wiki and Blog server. Um, if you are uploading content to iTunes U, you'll want to edit the metadata of the individual files prior to uploading. Uh, tools for editing individual um, uh, metadata additionally uh, ranges as well. You can use the iTunes store itself as a metadata editor by, you know, adding a track or uh, audio video track to iTunes and then, you know, using the get info option to edit that metadata. There's other tools out there like Media Rage and the list goes on. I would search Google for, for some of the best ones out there. And again, I think this would be a great question for um, users to post to the forums and, and discuss their, their favorite tools. Okay, uh, question about the archive of this webcast. Yes, it, it will be made available in about two or three weeks at maclearning.org. Uh, let's see, boy, lots of questions going on here. This is, uh, let's see, can a single track, let's see if I can find that. Can a single track be shared between multiple collections? Mm. That's a, great, that's a great question. So um, one of the things that we oftentimes get that question too, and it's an important thing to, to know and discuss. So 
Um, one, of the, one of the ways to um, share a track in uh, multiple collections, you might find that you have a particular lecture that's relevant to a few different topics or is relevant to a couple of series that you create. And there's no easy way today to share that track in multiple collections. The thing that you would want to do is add that track um, uh, into a real collection for each of those, um, each one of those uh, collections that you've created. So the track would either be uploaded or in uh, two feeds. Um, an important thing to know there is that uh, iTunes uh, U and the iTunes Store does see those tracks as separate. And so one of the risks that you do run is dividing the popularity of that track throughout your site. But if it's relevant to those audiences, then it's, it's a worthwhile uh, thing to do. And by creating real collections, uploaded collections or, or feed collections, um, then you're ensuring that that content does show up uh, appropriately in the iTunes Store search. So that's the best way to handle that today, Scott. Okay. Let's see, what, what are the uh, differences and advantages between uh, collections and albums? So yeah, that, that, uh, that's a good question. I, I, um, really, collections and albums are, are the same thing in the context of iTunes U. So that page that we showed you before, um, you know, you can call it a collection or on some of our documentation, you'll even see it listed as a course page. Um, as that was, you know, the original name back when iTunes U first started. But that's the same page that, you know, you could look at and, and imagine that was a uh, podcast or a movie or something like that. So they're the same. Okay. Uh, where is the actual iTunes U data housed? Um, and is there a limit on that data? So uh, that depends. So if you um, are delivering your content through an RSS feed to iTunes U, the data is housed where you choose to, to hold it. It could be on a server on your campus, or you could sign up for uh, one of the many services offering hosting of your content. And then you um, craft an RSS feed, which essentially um, allows the iTunes store to look at that content and index uh, the individual metadata for that content. When a user clicks subscribe or gets tracks in that instance, they come from wherever your content is, uh, is being housed or, or downloaded from. If you uh, are an institution that has the ability to upload content to iTunes U, it's hosted, on, um, one, hosted and stored on one of our servers. And um, we, uh, we are, uh, we, we've given institutions in that instance 500 gigabytes worth of storage for them to store their content. Uh, one piece of information I'll share around uh, um, RSS feeds is that we actually, uh, for education uh, institutions, have uh, the ability to cache uh, content as it becomes popular. So if you have a particular set of materials and they become uh, extremely popular, let's say in South, uh, Southeast Asia, we have the ability to cache that content closer to uh, the location of those users, and that really helps offload uh, the cost and the impact of bandwidth on your network or uh, the location that the content is hosted. Additionally, the end user experiences a faster download. Okay. Um, I think you gave some advantage uh, or some examples of this in terms of better organization uh, as, as folks kind of got a better idea like mm -hmm. MIT on how to present yeah. all those collections and all that content. Um, but what happens if your collection grows to a point where you want to divide it into more than one collection mm -hmm. in terms of what happens to folks that have subscribed to the, the old collections? Yeah, that's an, important, that's an important point, Scott. So if you said uh, if we're faced with that circumstance where you had a collection that you um, 
you know, decided to divide out into multiple collections, you do run the risk of breaking subscriptions uh, for you know, your users. And so as you're getting started distributing your content, maybe you haven't shared content in iTunes U just yet, it's really important to come up with a plan before you start creating creating collections. Instead of starting with a broad collection called history, maybe you do start a, a smaller, more specific uh, collection because you know that you'll add content on that particular topic or um, theme over on and you will be able to build a, a set of subscribers around that. Uh, one thing that I do want to call out um, that I didn't make too clear earlier was that it is possible to have a collection or build a collection that um, might be static. That is, you might not ever add new tracks to that collection over time. And that's an okay thing. Um, the Theodore Roosevelt example that I shared before um, might not have any new tracks that are ever added to it. But the thing that's important is that there's a critical amount of content within that collection that users um, can, can find throughout, uh, throughout the store and throughout the category pages. Okay. Does uh, iTunes U ever solicit focused themed content from its content providers for possible promotion? Yeah, that's one of the things that we've uh, talked a little bit about doing. We, we don't have any uh, plans on that just yet. Um, we are uh, interested in uh, oftentimes knowing the kinds of things that your institution is doing. Um, so, you know, the best thing that you can do today is just look across the iTunes store and look for particular areas of content that um, you know you would expect to see, but you don't really see something good there. Maybe you know you look across the store, and one of the things that I'd love to see is a great collection on dinosaurs. And there's not a really rich uh, archive there, but you know I think that's a great opportunity for someone to talk about that topic. Um, certainly, uh, many of our colleges and universities have commencement upcoming, so we're uh, interested to know who your commencement speakers are, when you're going to add that content to iTunes U, and I think that's a subject that you'll actually hear from us on uh, in the near future. Okay. Uh, is, uh, maybe you have a resource, maybe it's the discussion boards, but some folks have, have some pretty uh, interesting questions around using Podcast Producer in relation to uh, populating iTunes U. What w where would be a good place to go to, to have those sort of in-depth conversations? Yeah, certainly our, our, uh, our, our forums are our first, uh, first you know, resource that we'd point you to. The discussion forums are great because it allows us to get a sense of the issues and questions that uh, institutions have. If there is a particular issue that um, another that, that's already been solved, other people can chime in and, and help in supporting that particular question. But um, our engineers uh, are actively engaged in the forums, and uh, you know, if there's a technical question or issue, that's the best way to get in touch with us on that particular topic. And again, because it's 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 online, it's it's a it's a live record of all of the questions and solutions that people have had over the history of iTunes U. Okay, uh, and where do institutions find out their upload storage usage, or the percentage of their available capacity, et cetera? Yeah, that statistic is available in our weekly reports. It tells you the amount of storage that you're currently using. And uh, furthermore, you know, you can find out um, extensively uh, how to interpret your weekly reports and all the information there in our admin guide, which, again, you'll find on our support site, apple.com slash support slash iTunes underscore you. Great. Well, I want to thank our audience uh, for joining us today. Uh, we've got a, a quick announcement, uh, but before I get to that, uh, I want to thank Steve Wilson uh, for an extremely helpful webcast. The, the questions and comments from the audience, I think, uh, uh, agree that this was really a very useful uh, webcast. Even I've recognized some names that have been in the community for a long time, and they were saying they learned some stuff today. So uh, thank you so much, Steve, for your time. Thanks for having me. So.
if you want to find out more, there's an upcoming opportunity. Uh, we're going to have uh, Ben Hockridge uh, from the Open University uh, speak at an upcoming event uh, scheduled for May 14th, which is Academics 2010. Some of our audience on this webcast today may have actually been in attendance at uh, Academics 2009. Uh, this year again is on May 14th. Uh, we will have presentations given at MIT and Northwestern at the same time, uh, connected via an H323 video conference, as well as up to 12 additional sites uh, connected to the video conference and a webcast stream. So lots of different ways to uh, join Academics 2010. And if you go to the URL that's now on your screen, academics with an X at the end dot maclearning.org, uh, that will take you to a page that will give you lots of information about the uh, presenters with abstracts and also links to uh, sites that you can register to either attend in person or uh, via the webcast. So I invite you to take a look at that and uh, maybe we'll see you at one of those uh, sites on May 14th. And again, I want to highlight uh, Ben Hawkridge from Open University UK uh, talking about what they're doing with iTunes U. Some very, very interesting stuff. So I hope you can join us then on the 14th. Again, an archive of today's webcast will be made available in approximately two to three weeks on maclearning.org. So we'll have a complete set of three iTunes U focused webcasts very, very soon. And with that, I just want to thanks, uh, thank our speaker, Steve Wilson, again, and our audience. And stay tuned at maclearning.org for announcements for upcoming webcasts. Thanks.